You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم میرے ساتھ میرے مہمان ہیں رضوان محمد السلام علیکم شیخ وعلیکم السلام ورحمۃ اللہ شیخ ٹوڈے وی ہیڈ تاجدار حرم اف ناسریجنل امجد صابری تاجدار حرم start discussing the names of prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam um in in an order that people would possibly follow uh mm-hmm. from the hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam uh, that um where, where we have five names mm-hmm. hashir baqi uh, mahi aqib these names if you can maybe possibly start with them first today inshallah mm-hmm. Um, obviously this this program we decided to to discuss some of the names of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and um, the names of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam are mentioned and, and dispersed um, within the Quranic text um, so it's very difficult to say that the Prophet did not have um, a set of names because to a lot of people it's, 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 it is news that the Prophet had uh, there's such a concept as the Prophet having names because we always think that there's the names of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala the beatific the beautiful names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's what we focus upon 99 names the hadith are close to being mutawatir in terms of the idea that there is names of the Prophet but they are mashur for definite meaning they're, they're, they're continuous in a large number of hadith and the Prophet in some narrations it's mentioned that he, he said he had five names in other narrations um, in fact the, the more, probably the more correct narrations are that he said I have names so because um, remember a lot of people um, one of the I mean I teach obviously I teach I-syllabus and I teach taught you know I mark so many papers and we've got a group of people alhamdulillah that mark papers now and you, from the answers people give you from two questions that you seem to be quite simple you realise that there's a lot of massive kind of segments of information and basic knowledge missing from our community which sometimes are not harmful but sometimes they are and, and they lead to a lot of dis- disagreement and arguments Um like i mean today um muhammad ali was it was um mm. there was a, a public um ceremony for muhammad ali and before that there was a actual recitation of quran for muhammad ali um, a global recitation of quran and a lot of people were saying that that's not permitted and the person never did that and the companions never did that and in fact they said that no action reaches person who's passed away except for the except for the three things mentioned in the hadith of the prophet so if a, if a son of Adam passed away all of his actions come to nothing except for three things yeah so you the, 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 the son or the child that, that prays the, the sadaqa jari and ilm the knowledge that people benefit from and in fact from that they say look the Prophet said three and the moment you say anything else can benefit somebody you've gone against the, prof- against the Prophet Sallallahu and that is just a basic mistake in terms of the Arabic language because the Arabs never use numbers with a specific um, meaning the only time they mean I mean there's a basic rule that I've kind of come to I've never read it but I've kind of come to a uh, conclusion myself in terms of the way that Arab- Arabs use numbers uh, and this comes again and again in, in Hadith and in, in Quran like Allah Subhanahu, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala it is said on the day of judgment the Prophet mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has shade 
we provide shade for seven people. Uh, and on that day seven will be given the shade of Allah and that means the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on a day there's no shade except the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he provides and they say there's only seven people but if you were to research the hadith you'd find many other people mentioned um, who were given the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment think of the ten people promised paradise you all know the hadith you all know there's ten people promised um, paradise but there's much more I mean you can scour through the hadith collections you see much more people that are blessed with the, the, this, this news from the Prophet and so when people hear a, a, a hadith like the Prophet saying that I have I've been given five names that is sometimes said to be um, what the, the narrator recollected or these are five of the names the Prophet has given because, you know, if you think of it, take a step back. If you, if you took the Quran from the beginning to end, because we're in Taraweeh and we're listening to the Quranic text, if you were to um, mentally take a note of every time the Prophet is mentioned by a name in the Quran or a description in the Quranic text or a, a praiseworthy attribute in the Quranic text, uh, for example, you're indeed on the highest and most, you know, um, high and an, an esteemed um, character. That's a quality of the Prophet mm. that he has khuluqin uh, azim, that he has vast character. You know, and that's a name. So if you go and you'd find, in fact, uh, Ibn Abu Bakr Al Bakr Ibn Arabi, the great student of uh, Imam Ghazali, in his commentary on Imam Tirmidhi, I think he mentions over a thousand names of the Prophet so think of that thousand names that he's come to um, list and Imam Nawi brings it to 400 or, or slightly over 400 names of the Prophet Ali so right away when you have a hadith that mentions the Prophet saying I have five, name, uh, five names that does not mean that he only has five it means that these are five amongst the many names that the Prophet has mm-hmm. and within that you see that the Prophet says Asma'un is actually a much better and much well known hadith which says that I have names mm-hmm. Sheikh, uh, sorry with your um, kind of uh, opening remarks here in, the, in this program mm-hmm. it, it seems that the, the concept of Prophet having names is a contested concept. And it was content, contested amongst people <laughs> for whom many things are contested. Uh, okay. Do you understand? So, the whole point yeah, is yeah, when I'm yeah, sitting, yeah. sometimes teaching, sometimes I just, um, I just hold my head as I'm doing now. Yes. And um, I think um, I just need to be happy and stay happy. I need to forget the, the problems our Ummah has. And they're self-inflicted sometimes. Yeah. People insist on their, on their error in their creed or their prayer and they will say this is how I understand it I'm going to continue to do that and you know at the end of the day people are free to you choose whatever path they want but the contested nature is from people that you know don't know yeah. so if there are a number of hadith in fact the con- if you don't read the Quran you will say he doesn't have any names mm. Prophet doesn't have names but then the had numerous hadith mention that and these are strong hadith Imam Malik rahmatullah alayhi he finished his muwatta with, with a chapter on the names of the Prophet Sallallahu So mm-hmm. Imam Malik, remember, he is, um, his book starts with the hadith, I think, of the adhan to the prayer, call to the prayer, and the importance of the call to the prayer. Mm-hmm. So he pr- produces a book in which he is calling people to Islam. He's calling people to his book by opening with a chapter of adhan, which is a call to prayer, which Shalwali says encapsulates the, the creed of our, our community and also a call to action. 
And he finishes it off with a chapter, I believe, on the names of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. If I remember correctly, according to the narration of Laythab, Laythas, um, his Yahya bin Yahya Laythi, his narration men- ends with the, the names of the Prophet sallallahu So in those narrations, basically, you have this idea: the Prophet says, "Inna li asma," I have names, mm. and this is. When the Prophet says this, it's as if he is boasting. And again, that will be contested because people say, how can the Prophet boast when he is, he is, um, he's supposed to be humble, he's supposed to be a person who is, is, has humility in front of Allah. How can he boast about the fact that he has names? Mm. So why would, he, why would he promote that? Why would he uh, announce that in that way? But he does, inna li asma. I am the person that has names. That's how it's translated or should be translated. Mm. It's as if he is saying, it is me and only me that has numerous names. Now that right away tells you um, that he is unlike other people. And a lot of people even contest that. Because, you know, the whole point here is that you will not find anybody that listens or, or, or you speak to except them to contest every single thing that you say uh, until it's explained to them. Mm-hmm. So even to say, if even for me to say, Inna li asma, the Prophet said, I have names, that that means I, it's only myself that really has a multitude of names, nobody else. That's basically what it means. And mm-hmm. that comes from the Arabic, the construction of it, and the khabar, which in Arabic is, is, is brought forward. That means it's almost as if you're saying, I have a special type of name and a special quality of names. And he says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Muhammadun. I am Muhammad. And that again, the way it's constructed, Anna Muhammad is as if it's saying, not my name is Muhammad, but I am the praiseworthy. Mm. And it, mm. by extension, it's saying nobody else deserves that name as fully as I do. Mm. And that's mm-hmm. why, you know, Ibn Qayyim al Jawziya, rahmatullahi in his um, work, uh, what's the work called? I've actually forgotten what the, work, the works um, will come to me. Uh, in his work on the Prophet um, praying on the Prophet he mentions that um, Muhammad itself the, the, the word Muhammad is almost as if Allah is telling you praise the Prophet so it's not as if you know like you have a sign saying this is the person so if you go to a, a conference you get a badge it says mm-hmm. this is Zainab this is Ahmed this is James and it's all it is is just telling you this is somebody different from somebody else that's not the function of Muhammad the function of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is that it's telling you and ordering you to praise the Prophet because Muhammad is taken from the name of Allah subhanahu wa taala al Hamid al Mahmud, and this is why the poet says, Muhammad." In fact, this is um, this is the I think this is the line of Abu Talib. Uh, the, the uncle of the Prophet Ali Salatim, if, if I'm not mistaken, he says that um, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala took from his name the Prophet's name, Prophet's name, and then the one in in the in the heavens, meaning the one who owns the arsh and, and controls the arsh and the dominion, is Mahmud, is is praiseworthy to the utmost extent, and Wadaka Muhammadu, and this one is the one who is inherently praiseworthy. Now, how do we know that he's praiseworthy? Again, it comes back to this idea that you only realize the quality of the Prophet when you actually see his um, status in the, in the hereafter, when you see the Prophet um, being praised by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by praised by the people for um, bringing forward the, 
um, the resurrection of people and, and the hisab of people. Um, that is what Ibn Qayyim says, and he says that the Prophet, when he's called Muhammad, it means that he is inherently praised time after time. In other words, every single time you think of him, you find another reason to, to praise the Prophet mm. So look at the quality of courage. You see that and you, you say Muhammad. Not saying that is Muhammad but you're saying this is why he is praiseworthy. Look at what he just did. Mm. And look at the hadith on courage. The Prophet if there was ever a, a, a situation of, of danger, the people would wake up at night and there's danger in the city of Medina and they would find the Prophet coming back from the, 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 the direction of, of the sound itself. There was, he was the one that was there right away when, when there was danger. He would be at the place where the danger was and they'd be getting ready to go to there and he would be coming back. Mm-hmm. Now that is courage itself because mm-hmm. you are looking to defend and, and safeguard people's um, lives and you do that and then you saw the person coming back, they said Muhammad. So I said, Sorry. not that he, look, it's Muhammad, <coughs> he's gone, he's come back. No, they're saying he is praiseworthy. Hmm. And that is that is a f- fine quality of having a person whose name embodies what people think when they see him. This is why Muhammad Ali was actually asked, is there anybody you would love to have met? And obviously he said, the Prophet. Hmm. Why? Because he realized, however great he was, was which is part of his show, he realized that he only had a small portion of what the Prophet Ali had in terms of you know, qualities of, of, of courage, of, of magnanimity, of generosity, mm-hmm. uh, of opening up God's mercy to, to people. Um, this is why you know, it's very difficult to, to, to speak about Muhammad وسلم, without looking at all the other uh, qualities of the Prophet because it's almost as if Muhammad is like a vessel um, if you can imagine a vessel which contains mm. every other description we see of the Prophet so if you say he's Rahim and he is mentioned in the Quran as being Rahim Ra'uf he is mentioned as being Abd which is a servant of God in, in, in complete humility to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he is mentioned in the Quran as being Siraj munir which is a radiant light from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala those when you place them together you are then play, given the conclusion that this person is praiseworthy Not that his name is Muhammad But that he's praiseworthy And uh, when the companions were asked about courage They said uh, The person who's courageous in our eyes Is the person who comes close to the Prophet In battle In other words If you want to see what courage is By definition You stay, stay by the side of the Prophet And where he is will be the most treacherous place in the battlefield the most dangerous place the vanguard he will be at the vanguard of of where the battle is meaning he is courage he epitomizes courage so you want to see courage you look to the Prophet you want to see generosity you look to the Prophet because he gave until he had nothing left in the famous hadith of Umar anhu, in which a Bedouin Arab came and he asked the Prophet again and again and he even asked the Prophet for his clothes. The Prophet went into his room. He, he removed his, his, his um, thawb. And he gave it to this Bedouin Arab. And Umar said to him, Ya Rasulullah, Inna Allah ma'amaraka bihada. Allah has not ordered you to do this. Not ordered you to take the clothes from your own back. And this is how people um, praise people nowadays. They say, this person so good, he would give the clothes from his own back. Mm-hmm. And give them to me. That's a kind of, that's how we speak. Where does that come from? From the Prophet when he did that, 
and Omar almost um, told the Prophet, don't do this, Allah has not ordered you to do this, don't um, belittle yourself to the point that you are in dire poverty. So one of the companions stood up and he said, Ya Rasulullah, give and continue to give. And don't fear poverty from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet looked at him and smiled and says, I was ordered to do this What this person said Not what you did Omar But this person ordered me to give and give And that's that kind of generosity Of, of actually having open hands Constantly That the Prophet never is known to have said No If he was asked for something What he would do so was remain silent if he had nothing Or he would give if he had Or if he had nothing He would ask the person to take from the marketplace Which is next to the mosque He said take what you need and tell them to it's a debt from Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. In other words, he would place himself in debt for other people, and that is that's generosity. That's beyond the the call of anybody. Even when you have nothing, you put yourself into debt. I don't know anybody who does that. Mm. I mean, you do, I mean, by definition, and and that's why Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyya rahmatullah he says that one of the people that deserve zakat in terms of debt, if they if they are in debt, is specifically the person. That goes into debt or falls into debt because they're trying to help other people, and in fact, he has a specific opinion about that in terms of zakat. That he says people that are in debt that deserve zakat are actually people who are helping their brothers out of difficult times or reconciling people by paying somebody's debt off and going to debt themselves are the people that are given zakat. So all these things are nothing but you know kind of small pockets of what we understand the Prophet to be that he is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam the oft praised. In other words, if you want to go back to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and think of what it is, because this will be important when we come to the word Ahmad, mm-hmm. Muhammad is a name that was extremely rare. I mean you could count the Arabs that were called Muhammad and before the Prophet was born on your on your on one hand. Because it was unknown amongst Arabs to have a person called Muhammad. And the reason was simple because to call somebody Muhammad means that the person has to incite you to say this person's praiseworthy every time you see him. You think of that, that means every time you meet somebody, you leave saying that person was just amazing. We didn't, mm-hmm. Did you see what that person mm-hmm. did? Mm-hmm. Whether it's generosity, whether it's reconciling between people, whether it's courage, whether it's you know uh, mercy to his family and his companions, or care for them, um, to the point that you know the hadith, hadith that are mutawatir on this topic, the person would um, look after his companions to the point that they would feel and and actually know within themselves that the person would love nobody more than them. And you have all the companions, they went home and they would sit and think, you know, speak to their wife or, the, or their husband and say, you know what, there's nobody the person loves more than myself. I bet that's the case because he spoke to me in a way that I knew that he would have done anything for me in a way that nobody else can vie with me. Mm. And when they spoke to each other, they realized, look, everyone's got the same feeling. Yeah. You know, from the person who's selling <clears throat> onions to the to the person who is 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 given the place of leading the prayer, like Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu or Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu at the... At the, at the, at the uh, at the forefront of of forties. Now that means that he had his amazing quality of pulling people into him. The person we call it a mag- magnetic personality. Mm. And even um, uh, Amr ibn As radiallahu anhu, uh, he became Muslim towards the end of his life. Famous companion, but he was uh, one of the enemies of the Prophet. And for a long period of his life, his son became Muslim well before him, Abdullah ibn Amr. But 
And he's also the person that went to Abyssinia to catch the Muslims. Remember, they went in, in, on Hijrah to, to Ethiopia. He went to get them back and to torture them. And it's only towards the end of his life he became Muslim. And when he became Muslim, he, he realized who the Prophet was, that this praise that he was deserving, every time you saw him, every time he faced him in battle, he left thinking Muhammad. Not, that's the person we knew when he was a boy, but Muhammad saying, we used to praise this person even within our hearts. And this is why the Quran says, they know him even better than they know their own sons, meaning mm -hmm. the Prophet not knowing that he is Muhammad ibn Abdullah, as Abu Jahl, Abu Lahab, all these people knew him as being the, the, the young boy who was, was bereft of a father early on, who lost his mother early on, who was a traitor at 25. Uh, they knew him like that, but they did not know Muhammad as the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Amr ibn Asr radiallahu what he said is when he became Muslim, he went to the Prophet and sat in front of him, and he, the, 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 the custom was that the Prophet would take your hand, and he would hold your hand and he would ask you to say Ashadu an la illallah. I testify there's no God but Allah And there's no, no one worthy of worship except Allah He did that and he took And the Prophet said what are you doing? And he said I'll do it on, on, on a condition that you pray to God for, for, for my forgiveness Now that is him thinking about This person who's, who's holding his hand out Is the same person I was trying to cut the hand off Whose neck I was trying to um, attack in battle and that shame, imagine the shame of somebody that you've fought your whole life. All of a sudden you realize that he is far greater than you and he wants good for you and he's here to help you and he, in compassion. He opens up his arms and he took his hand away. And the Prophet said, you have to understand that Islam uh, obliterates everything that came before it. The moment you say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, every single, everything that you did that was against God and his messenger will be wiped out. You start as if you were born from your mother's womb and everybody who does the hijrah from Mecca to Medina to Munawwara it's as if uh, everything before that disappears and Hajj the accepted Hajj cleanses everything that comes before it and then he took his hand and he, he cried and he cried it said the hadith mentioned that he wept every time he saw the Prophet and he would not look at the Prophet after that time so Amr ibn As he realized Muhammad because every, even in, in the state of being an enemy, he realized the Prophet was Muhammad. And after he became Muslim, he himself says, I could not look at the Prophet uh, out, of, out of awe of him, but also out of regret of all the things I did against the Prophet. But he, what he said is, after a year, he, be, he said that in himself, in the hadith, he mentions that, I, I felt that nobody was more beloved to the Prophet than myself. And think of all these people. He, the Prophet has Abu Bakr, Ali radiallahu anhu, he has Fatima, his daughter. All these people close to him. And he thought in his mind, because of the way the Prophet was treating him, I must be the most beloved. And he went and he said to the Prophet, Who, am I not the most beloved to you, O Messenger of God? And the Prophet said, that's, that's Abu Bakr. And then he, he says, okay, then I'm second, am I not? And he said, that's Umar, that's Umar radiallahu anhu. And then Amr ibn As, you know, he, he, just, he admitted defeat because he just wanted to be number three. You understand? So he, this is the interesting about this, this is Muhammad, that you can get you can get a person to feel that, that proximity to the Prophet Ali Yeah, Muhammad one of the names, uh, one of the most important names that we have of the Prophet Um it's, it's specifically important because it is mentioned in the hadith that ana, ana inna li isma, ana Muhammad, I'm Muhammad, wa ana Ahmed, I'm Ahmed as well. And the way I translate it would be, 
only I am called Ahmed in its true sense. Mahi, and I'm the, I am the one who obliterates Allah bihi al kufr, who through whom Allah obliterates um, disbelief in God. al Hashir, and I'm the one um, who is raised up. Um, around whom people are raised up And this is actually interesting That people will be raised around the feet of the Prophet And we'll talk about that when we talk about Hashir And I am the, the last, the final The one that comes at the end And in other narrations mentioned After whom there's no prophets Now all these um, are descriptions of the Prophet And it's obviously It's it, the interesting about Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi mentioned before is that it actually um, tells you to praise the Prophet every single time you, you mention his name. And you don't have to praise him, but your use of the word Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi actually does that. And it actually goes, it, it goes, um, you know, come to another issue that people always mention is that mm. people praise the Prophet too much or they... Can they, it be too much, Sheikh? Can you praise can the Prophet too much? Too much? Um, it depends who you are. <laughs> <laughs> How can you praise Prophet too much? So, so if a person is mahroom, they will have a problem. They will say, I've paid my debts. It's as if, it's as if you, you've got a debt to somebody and you pay off. Mm-hmm. And say, that's me done. Yes, you may be done, but it depends who you are and, and what your golden, uh, your existence goal is. If you knew um, the debt you owe to the Prophet, you would go crawling from Scotland on your knees to the Prophet. To give salam to the Prophet Sallallahu Guarantee that because you're talking about um, eternal salvation end of, the, end of the day For myself when I think of the Prophet Sallallahu You just, you are just, anything that happens You just, you struck in awe You have uh, goose pimples, your hair stands in end And you just think of one aspect of the Prophet Sallallahu And you just think, there's nothing that compares to this person uh, History has shown it, his critics have shown it we have obviously shown it, the people that love the Prophet ﷺ, no person describes in more um, words than the Prophet ﷺ. Um, and the reason for that is he is Muhammad. And you have the hadith of Sahih Bukhari, you know, which is always the thing that people mention that the Prophet, you, you, the reason we're saying that you're praising the Prophet too much is because the Prophet told people not to praise me too much. So the hadith, I think the hadith of Al Bukhari, it's the Sahih hadith. Uh, it's mentioned in other collections as well. Uh, don't praise me or magnify me in the way that the, the Christians have magnified uh, the Prophet Isa alayhi salatu wasalam. And they say, look, aha, there we go. Um, you look, just say he's... Uh, and, and also the hadith continues, says, uh, but say um, the, the slave of God and his messenger. That's all you have to say. And then he will, he will, they will say to you, that's it. Don't say he's anything else except for the messenger of God and his servant. Now, the hadith is actually very interesting because what does it say? It tells you do not. It doesn't say la tahmuduni, which is to praise me. It says la tatruni, which means to have this exaggerated um, exaltation of somebody to the point of godhood. And if you understand what God means and Allah means, then. That is what the Christians did with the, with the Prophet Isa alayhi salatu wasalam, which is why he would be sent back to earth to rectify something that was not done in that way for any other Prophet, which was that they, 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 from his light, they realized nothing but the fact that he was God incarnate. And that is what's being mentioned. 
And the, the, one of the greatest miracles of the Prophet and that I consider he fulfilled and is continuing to fulfill to this day is that nobody claimed any kind of divine qualities for the Prophet amongst this Ummah at all. Now, you, I, I read, you know, read all sorts of stuff from Islamic history, biographies of heretics and all sorts of things, different sects and divisions who had different views about different people you know, considered people to be God incarnate amongst Muslims, the people that considered their sheikh or their their teacher to be, you know, the, the, the shadow of God on earth. Nobody even came close to that with the Prophet And that is amazing because we're saying, when you think of the Prophet nothing comes to your mind except praise. Now that means that you would, ha if there's any person that you would think would be raising a pedestal to being God from what we experience, it would be the Prophet But nobody has done that ever. Because Allah has, has preserved the Prophet because he's the final Prophet, Allah has preserved him from that. And this is why Ibn Hajar mentioned that what that what the mentioning of excessive praise and excessive exaltation means is do not claim divinity for him in the way that the Christians claimed divinity for uh, the Prophet Isa alayhi salatu wasam. And Imam Zurqani in his, in his commentary in Mutta, um, he says that, look, if you look at the word Muhammad, it doesn't just mean the one that's praised, which is Mahmoud. Mahmoud is the one that's praised. So mm. say, Zubair, you did something to do. You smile somebody, somebody in the streets. Mm. It doesn't matter who it is. And somebody saw you do that, they would say, he's Mahmoud. You know, you know, I'll praise that. I'll give him his due. He smiled at that person. Mm. That's it. Muhammad is the one that every time you think of him, you say, look at what he's doing. Not what he did, what he continues to do, how he impacts people's lives. Day in, day out, he is continuing to impact. At this moment in time, you can close your eyes and think of how many people are thinking about the Prophet and thinking of only we could catch sight of the Prophet. Hmm. Think hmm. of how many people there are in Madinat Munawar at this moment in time. There are people, you know, you know, gathered round the the only place on earth which is called Jannah. The only place on earth that you can say is Jannah is. At the feet of the Prophet because it is at the feet. If you think where the Prophet is lying, uh, where is the where is the um, of the Prophet hmm. It's at his feet. Yeah. And the Prophet said in Sahih Hadith um, that the place between my member and my qabr is Jannah, is a, a garden from the gardens of paradise. And the vast majority of scholars say because we can't refute the, the literal meaning, we take the literal meaning. There's no reason why it can't be. Mm -hmm. And the tranquility you feel when you stand there or you sit there or you, you're granted a, 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 you know, a moment to think, those people that are sitting there right now, they're, they're just, their hearts are focused on the person to their left, whose feet are to, to, towards their left, who is the Prophet And they are through their hearts saying Muhammad. They are praising the Prophet and praying towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their prayer and thinking if it wasn't for this person, our, 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 our heads would not have bowed down to Allah. We would be in a state of ignorance, we would be in a state of destitution, social destitution and also spiritual destitution. And that means every single person by their hearts, every Muslim, and every person who knew the Prophet who knows who he is, even if they don't become a Muslim, they're saying Muhammad is the praiseworthy one. He is the one in humanity, in the history of humanity who came with the greatest good for people. Now that is, I mean, that is, that is amazing because this person, if you had, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praised him by giving him the name. Sheikh, when, you, when, you, when you said that people have an issue with praising him too much, is it mm. in comparison with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sometimes it becomes like that 
instead of focusing on the creator himself mm. you almost like for example this, this qawali that i play uh people have um, mm. a, an issue with uh, and mm. and the issue is that is saying um koi apna nahi gham ke mare hain hum aapke dar pe faryad leke aaye hain hum so what's faryad faryad is a complaint is a faryad, is dua no, so no, you pray is, to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala no no faryad is something that you come to seek justice with in persian it's it's a word that you use to you come with a case that you want somebody to fight on your behalf now that that ho, line ho you nigahe, just mentioned ho nigahe karam warna chokhat pe hum aapke naam aapka naam leke mar jayenge now surely ho nigahe karam karam is only from allah not from prophet sallam see Or that's where that's where you have to understand the context of what the person is saying okay so the person is saying basically on this on the day of judgment where will you turn to because this is the same type of thing that people say about the the um, the burda of imam busir rahmatullah alayhi um in which he praised the prophet and and people say who do we have except for you messenger of god to turn towards mm. and they say this is why the the, the burda of the, of imam busir should be burnt it should be you know not read it's shirk etc etc and you kind of sit there now this is one of the moments i kind of put my head in my ha- head in my hand and just say <laughs> um let's go back to primary school and we we'll get in 10 years we'll come to the point you can read the line again because mm. what's he saying imam busiri is not a scholar but he is you know a, a person who lived in in in, in, in egypt at a time when there was great islamic literature and he was a person of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he what he's saying is on the day of judgment as is mentioned by the hadith of sahih bukhari in multiple narrations in his sahih and imam muslim and other four you know authentic collections and and other works i mean this is almost a mashhur hadith well known that on the day of judgment everybody will look towards other people so they will go to adam alayhi salatu wasam what will they do aluzu bihi as busiri says who do we have other than you to turn towards because they turn to adam alayhi salatu wasam he says nafsi nafsi turn to the prophet nuh alayhi salatu wasam and they go through every single prophet of god who they think to the ibrahim alayhi salatu wasam to the prophet isa alayhi salatu wasam thinking this is the person you to go to to get allah to start the the, the judgment Mm. So who are you going to okay if you're saying you're a muslim on the day of judgment okay I'll 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 let you go where you want to go mm. Mm. you understand if you're saying that there's you should only go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala why will every single person who says la ilaha illallah on that day which is mentioned by the prophet in a sahih hadith why is he say that everybody says la ilaha illallah all the awliya all the scholars of hadith or scholars of fiqh the people whose hearts are purified by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala why will they go to prophets and then why will they end up coming to where the problem is prostrating mm-hmm. and if you are saying okay we should only turn to god okay on the day of judgment we will we'll meet together and in fact you will not know that i had this conversation with you and neither will i because i'll be running to the prophet ali sallallahu alaihi wasallam why because this is the problem describing the future which is that on that day people will run towards prophets one prophet after another for them to intercede with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to hasten the, the judgment is one of the special I, I, I'm, I'm, play, i'm going to play a few lyrics because i've had calls and i've had asked people ask me why do you play this all the time and subhanallah th- this is this is something that gives me tranquility this this is something that people a lot of people have liked i mean look zubair you 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 i didn't know you were going to play this I, i'm going to I play mean, this i mean no, me. in ramadan you, you when did you tell me what we we're doing this is uh, like a couple of hours before 
In fact, when you tell me that you're doing this 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 qawali on the radio, you didn't tell me at all. No, no, no. When I arrived in the radio station like four minutes before the the show, we discussed what we're going to do in the show, and you said, "Okay, we're going to play this qawali." I said, "Which one is it?" You said, "This one." I said, "By the way, somebody sent me that two days ago, <laughs> and um, I used to listen to it when I was a young boy." That's the uh, conversation. Okay. It's not as if I said, Zubair, can you can you dig this up? No, no, no. But th- this. Th- this is this, these are lyrics that we grew up with, and I just want to know. Why am I labelled or oh, you committing shirk? So Zubair, what are you doing? I'm asking. Just you. read that out for me, please. Yep, I'm Just asking. Just read that. We we'll translate on 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 air. Koi apna nahi gham ke mare hain ham, aapke dar pe faryad laaye hain ham. No, the, the, ho nigahe karam. Okay, tajdar e haram ho nigahe karam. Ham gharibon ke din bhi samar jayenge. You're asking uh-huh. Prophet Sallam. You look at me with nigahe karam, and uh-huh. because you look at me. My difficult days will be over. Now, there's different. You know this. This. Hamiye, hamiye, bekasan. Kya kahega jahan? Aapke dar ke dar se khali agar jayenge. You know, you go to Prophet Sallam to ask. Yeah, he is meant to speak. The beginning of the qawali is is directed towards Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and he's basically saying, "Oh, oh the one who writes people's taqdeer and destinies, write." Medina for us And the beginning of it is what? All of it is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala If you read from the beginning Do you understand? Yeah. The point here is you read from the beginning And then you get what he's saying It's like, you know, the issue of Who are we going to turn to except for you, Messenger of God Now that is, once he's he's told you who we're speaking to Which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And then he's moving towards Medina from Allah Then he's saying a specific thing Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Context is such an important thing I know this from dealing with the media that you have to make a sentence such that they can't cut it and paste it in a place which, which is not proper. Mm. So when I make, when I speak, the sentence that I construct is done in a way that they can't cut halfway through. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this is what the problem we have or, or with our, our communities and scholarship for a good like, hundred, two hundred years is that people's literature, Islamic literature, level of literacy, and I know this from marking papers and having stu- you know, thousands, over a thousand people in Glasgow have done our ISIBIS course. Is the level of I mean I know from people that. Have, you know, speak and teach when they sit the exams you realize you know the ummah is in a d- d- difficult situation because people that think they know mm. and they don't know this is this is the greatest <clears throat> calamity that we have not that a person who's learning their faith from from scratch they don't know it's not a problem and they know they don't know but there's people that yes. think they know and they have nothing yeah. and that is shocking because you know the simple issue here is that going to the prophet, the ziyarah of the prophet was not contested by anybody that I know of, and I'll eat my hat that's on my head mm. to visit the prophet to send salam to the prophet and to use that as a means by which you come close to God. I know of nobody who contested that in the first eight centuries of Islamic history at all. I mean, I've read, I read, I, when I, alhamdulillah, when I became practicing, um, I spent three years, three and a half years in Glasgow University. Scouring the books on, on, on Islamic studies And I didn't talk to any scholar at all Because I wanted to see Okay, what are people saying about the different sects Shiism, Sunnis, Zaydis You know, all these different things And also other religions And once I was, I was sure that there's a, a, a normative Middle path in Islamic scholarship When I studied and travelled I didn't go about walking, knocking on people's doors Saying, you know, can you teach me I knew where I wanted to go And I knew where normative mainstream Islam would be and what it came towards is something very similar to this which is that 
proximity is gained by being close to people that are close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not giving them attributes that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. And there is a function for the Prophet in his in his resting place in the Barzakh. And no scholar of the Sunni tradition disputes the fact that all prophets are alive in their, in their graves in a, in a status of Barzakh, in a status of worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you know, Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyyah and Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani narrate you know, a consensus on the fact that the, that the body of the Prophet is it is fresh and it is purified in his grave now, so we're not talking right away if you're a person that thinks the Prophet is like us and he is, his body has decayed right away we, there's no conversation from between myself and anybody else on this topic because whatever you belong to I don't know which, which sect that is but it's not mainstream Islamic scholarship even I'm talking about a wide understanding of Islamic yep, scholarship yep. And anybody who knows scholarship, anybody who studied, anybody has any dignity to admit it would admit the same thing. And the other thing is that, you know, the early history of Islamic um, scholarship narrates narration after narration. Uh, I'm just thinking of some of the top of my head. Mu'ad ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu. It's narrated in Sahih Hadith in Imam Ahmad's collection that, that Mu'ad ibn Jabal, after death of the Prophet, Umar ibn Khattab found him lying on the grave of the Prophet and crying and weeping. Mm. Now that is a Sahih Hadith that Imam Ahmad narrates. Omar said, what are you doing? And you'll think, what are you going to say? You're going to say, Omar saying, why are you committing shirk? He didn't say that. He says, why are you crying? Mm. Because Omar would cry when he saw the, the, the resting place of the Prophet If he, you know, think of it. I mean, this is such illogical discussions that we have sometimes. Why did Abu Bakr want to be buried next to the Prophet If it wasn't that he would get benefit from the... I'm not talking about... What you're asking, I'm talking about even something even simpler, which is, why would they want to be next to the, the body of the Prophet ﷺ if he's a normal person that cannot benefit them? Abu Bakr was clever. He mm. never, in, in, in our history, he never um, questioned the Prophet ﷺ. So he knew that that place was blessed and he would benefit from it. He, he chose it. He was intelligent. Umar, when he was stabbed um, after, uh, during the prayer of Fajr, he is the first thing he said after he was he was stabbed. He says that the dog has 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 stabbed me, and then he sent somebody after that. I think it was his son Ibn Umar. He says, "Go to Aisha and say to her, Umar fi sahibi. Tell Aisha that Umar asked permission to be buried next to his two companions. Mm-hmm. Now Umar, he's on his deathbed and he's bleeding." Now, why is he saying he wants to be buried next to Abu Bakr and, and the Prophet if that's not going to benefit him? So if you're saying that you go all the way in the ziyarah to the Prophet you go to Hajj and you go to Umrah and you go to the Prophet if you don't think that you're going to benefit from that process, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but we need to speak a different language. Mm-hmm. So if we will start to discuss something in a different language. Uh, you can speak Turkish, you can speak Persian, you can speak Scottish, Glaswegian. I don't really care. The point is that you can So when we say, haram ho karam, so that's poetic license that's, that's something yeah. called you know the thing about the Quran the amazing thing in the Quran that it extolled and it magnified was the ability for people to express in poetic ways things that affect the heart hmm. so what he's saying is as if a person when they're alive and they look at you in, in, in a way that makes you happy it benefits you you, you feel alive and, hmm. and your intent to be there is that you leave and you're there and you feel as if the Prophet has, has accepted and has looked upon you with the eye of 
of, of acceptance. Of Why karam. is this? Of karam. Of karam. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to tell people about Sahih Hadith on the topic of the fact that the Prophet when you give salam to him, he responds to your salam. And in numerous narrations about Prophet Sallallahu saying that my, my life is good for you and my death is good for you. He mentions the reasons for that. How can the Prophet's death be good for you? He says that your actions will be placed in front of me and I will praise God. That is good for you. Now listen to what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. The Prophet says that my life is good for you and my death is good for you. The life is simple. But the death, why is it good for you? Because when you do something good mm-hmm. and, it's, and the Prophet is informed about it by Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala, he praises God. That benefits you. What benefits you? Tell me. The person praising Allah because you did that. That is the person saying that is the way I benefit you. That's only one aspect of it. The bigger issue is that during the period of the Salaf, they narrated numerous narrations like the Hadith of Mu'adh I've just kind of forgotten but I started it mm-hmm. about he's sitting in front in, on the grave of the Prophet mm-hmm. and, you know, weeping at the grave of the Prophet and Omar said why are you committing shirk? He didn't say that. He said why are you crying? And he says, I remember some words of the Prophet and this remember is when he's been led out of the city of Medina Mawarra by the Prophet and he informs him, he says, Mu'ad, it may well be that you never see me again. And Mu'ad starts to weep mm. uh, profusely because he was being sent to Yemen and by the time he came back he would never see the Prophet again. And what the Prophet said, said to him is, uh, And before that, in fact, he says, uh, whoever declares war against a friend of mine Allah says about a friend of his I will declare war against that person mm-hmm. that God loves the abrar people that are pious uh, people that have awareness of God which are people that are hidden you know, hidden meaning nobody knows them. They don't know your name. They don't know you why you're famous. They don't know you because you have knowledge or wealth. But they, they are close to God. Uh, and they appear from you know sandbanks and dust. They kind of are hidden. Now he was remembering that because it benefited him. He wanted to be close to the Prophet because that's all he had left. That proximity of, to the grave of the Prophet was the only thing he had left to remind him of the Prophet mm-hmm. So when you go to Hajj or Umrah and you go in front of the grave of the Prophet and you give salam to the Prophet are you saying you don't benefit from that visit, visitation? Mm-hmm. Is there anybody with, uh, within our community that can say that they will not be? And if there is, Ahlan wa Sahlan, you're free. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, Lakum dinukum wal yadin. I'm not of that type to kind of mm-hmm. use, but th- that can be used, meaning you have your opinion, I have mine. Uh, and, and in fact, I don't have my opinion. One of my teachers, Sheikh Omar Masri, he said that any question that comes up to you, he says, you're the end of the line. There's a line, and mm-hmm. you're the end of it, Radwan. He said, <laughs> meaning, before you is scholars, a line, and if they haven't answered the question, you mm-hmm. can answer the question mm-hmm. But until that time you don't In fact I don't answer it I always say uh, Ibn Hajar Or you know, Sa'id al-Musayyib Or Yahya ibn Sa'id al-Qattan Or Yahya ibn so, Sa'id al-Ansari when, when, we, when we hear this saying So what we're saying is Because we benefit from the close proximity of Prophet This is what's been said yeah, because do you not benefit from the, yes. the, the visitation? So and if, if you leave... If not, what we, we, ask, we, we only ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for whatever we need to ask. The, the proximity... Look, look, I'll make it simple to you. Yeah, go on. Um, Laytul Qadr. Laytul Qadr. Um, 
on the day of night of Laylatul Qadr, you will. What will what will creation say if we leave not having not having our sins forgiven? The the night of Laylatul Qadr is a means by which you gain the forgiveness of Allah. What who forgives you? Allah, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Why? Because you have taken the means of that time. Mm-hmm. When you go in Arafah, the day of Arafah, you stand and you weep. If you remember, if you've been to Hajj, you re- you wept. If you were not in a five class, you know, five star. <laughs> You know, package. Mm. If you're in the streets, there are all these people from you know the Middle East or from Uzbekistan who have nowhere, just enough money to get there. They were weeping because they knew that would be the means by which Arafah on that day, not the day before, not the day after, between uh, Asr and, and Maghrib, that time, sorry, between Dhuhr and, and, and Maghrib, would be the means by which they're, they're accepted by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And if you go to Medina with the same intention, and Allah does not forgive you, what will people say? His point is. How can we not be forgiven when we've done everything we've been asked to do? Which mm. is not to, you know, we're not talking about people that are lax. Remember, here we're talking about people that follow the Quran and Sunnah. Mm-hmm. And then they go and they give salam to Prophet and look at that as being a means by which they're given forgiveness by Allah. That is something that is accepted. You know, if you look at history, Islamic history books, I have no knowledge of any scholar, I'll mention it again. And this is, this is open to anybody to refute this. We're scholars questioned the the content of numerous hadith like the hadith of Ma'ad ibn Jabal or even the hadith of Utbi which is a famous hadith in which a person during the time of Tabi'in came to Prophet's grave and he was, you know, praised the Prophet through lines of poetry and he died right there and then and he was seen in a grave and he was seen to have entered into paradise the point here is not that the point is no scholar of the Salaf and these were known during the time of the Salaf No one said, look, this should not be narrated because it's shirk What they did say is The Isnad is not as strong as it should be But they mentioned it without saying This should not be narrated Now that is something that's very important Many scholars, even scholars I've seen make, make this mistake They discuss hadith without looking at whether Hadith was accepted or rejected In terms of being narrated For more information and to listen to more podcasts, visit us at arc.score or check out the Arc Media app.